Today I'm talking to Dr. Marnie Hill Foderaro, a teacher and author, usually based in Chicago, but now living in the Caribbean. Hello, Marnie, and very welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Nicoletta. I'm so happy to be here. Same. I'm looking forward for this conversation. So, Marnie, we agreed we're going to talk about trauma and happiness. Where shall we start? Shall I ask you maybe in the opening, how did trauma insidiously intrude in your life? Well, you know, um, in some ways it came about suddenly, but then, of course, in reflection, it was a long time in coming. Um, I chose to leave a 27-year marriage And, you know, I didn't realize that I was really in the throes of domestic violence um, throughout that with gaslighting and a smear campaign and financial abuse and, um, you know, just being discounted and and undermined when it when it came to our our children. Um, So I actually had a kind of a light bulb moment where. I finally, you know, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. So it was kind of like that opened up my eyes to just years and years and years of red flags that I just ignored. And, you know, I, you know, I just didn't want to face it. I was in denial. I was, I I was hoping for the best. I was looking the other way. I was trying to, you know, maintain a stable home for our two beautiful children. Um, they were 20 and 23 years old when um, I chose to divorce their dad. And um, I didn't really realize, I knew there would be some repercussions, but I really didn't realize that with certain individuals that have kind of a malevolent intention, you know, um, they, you know, I was actually threatened. Don't you dare divorce me, you know, or mm-hmm. I'll take your house, your, your money, your children. You know, I, I, I didn't really realize this, the dangerous and serious situation I was dealing with until that kind of final physical assault and threat and and then the fallout afterwards where i lost all my safety and security i you know i i was a teacher for 35 years um and additionally i was a university graduate school adjunct professor i had a very good salary i i was guilty of turning over my paychecks every every month um for you know close to 3 decades uh not being that involved in the finances just assuming that we were working together for the common good. And, you know, I was told for 10 years our house was paid off. Actually, it turns out it was in foreclosure. The money was hidden in numerous places um, that I could not access. And, um, you know, just my whole world fell apart. I, I, I ended up, you know, not having a home, not having money, not having a support system because these abusers, you know, engage in a smear campaign where they they tell outright lies or even believable yeah. half truths to people and they believe them. Um, so when you think you have your friends, family, uh, neighborhood, even people from church, not one person, you know, um, was was really there for me, providing authentic and true support. There were a few people that did, you know, come in and give me what I believe support, but I later found out that they were really deceitful and engaged in lies and betrayal as well. So it was really, really just traumatic. But I will tell you, Nicoletta, the worst trauma was actually realizing that I lost my two adult children to parental alienation. So, you know, raising your kids for two decades in a normal range relationship, fun, happy. Um, I was always trying to encourage them to be independent and follow their own dreams. Um, Not so much their dad who wanted them to act a certain way, you know, play in this sport, you know, 
have this career, do this, do that. You know, I wanted them to explore their own passions. So there was some undermining going on because there we really just didn't have the same values and and ideas of of how children should be raised, you know, at at some point. Um I just, you know, realized I was kind of living in a false reality and and um it was devastating. You know, I'm very much a wounded parent because, you know, the the days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into months, and then they turn into years. And, you know, I'm going on close to a decade without a relationship with one of my children. Um, you know, but I did. I look at I, I'm a happy person, though. Despite all of these losses, I've always been someone who is happy and who believes in goodness and looks at the challenges as life lessons. So, you know, instead of just, you know, the utter despair and sadness that would be very justifiable with not having your children in your life, through research and understanding the dynamics of what happens to kids, young or adult with parental alienation, the splitting, the Stockholm syndrome, you know, the independent thinker phenomenon, the the whole flying monkey, you know, situation where they are getting rewarded for fearing, blaming, you know, um, hating that other parent. And it can happen to men and women. It's, it's not gender specific. You know, that knowledge really helped me understand what I was dealing with. And, and so, you know, I was reassured that I could continue to be a happy person. I could continue to to live life um, despite, you know, these significant losses. Oh, Marnie, I admire your resilience, your openness to truth and to joy as well, because despite of adversity and hardship, as you mentioned, you remained um connected to life i would yes. say mm-hmm. you you yeah. did not despair you did not choose to to give up and position yourself as a victim because you're not right. it's right. their no, responsibility mean, it's absolutely yeah. their responsibility for what they did oh, yeah. it does not have anything to do with you and of course you are affected by it but it's not your making it isn't my making, but I would say, Nicoletta, that at some point I did need to do a deep dive into my own intergenerational family trauma and kind of learn what made me a target for an abuser. No, I don't take responsibility for the malevolent actions of a very disturbed and vindictive and revengeful individual. Uh, I can't take that responsibility. You know, it's a very sick world that, you know, he lives in, continues to live in. And I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss because, you know, our children are roped into that, that negative, uh, very dangerous dynamic. So no, I don't take responsibility for that. But in my healing journey, I did need to look at myself and see why was I an overgiver? Mm-hmm. Why was, was why did I allow this to continue for so long? What was wrong with me and my foundation and my thinking that you know just went along with this? And it and it took just a light bulb moment to finally say enough was enough. So so even though yes, I agree with you, it's one perpetrator, one predator. Um you know, I did need to see the bigger picture. So what was the big picture? What contributed uh, to this? What happened in your past that actually made you comfortable and familiar with that environment? That's a really good question. And I think it's a number of things. I think from my early childhood with, you know, a very dysfunctional, abusive marriage between my parents, um, you know, there was parent alienation done on both ends with both my dad, more so with my dad, but also with my mom, more as a reaction after the fact, uh, because she was, you know, just devastated by her world um, being shattered and 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 controlled by an abuser. Um, 
But I, and then I always would pick up the pieces. I would always just, you know, try to rise above, you know, my outlet was school I and being in an activities and that type of thing. You know, I could, I distracted myself from that. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, while some negative things were going on, you know, I, I was just trying to survive the best way that I knew how. And then when I think about some of my friendships growing up, even in childhood, junior high and high school, um, you know, there were sometimes situations that, that, you know, I really felt betrayed or lied to or didn't quite feel like I fit in. Um, And, you know, but at the same time, I did have some, you know, what I thought were authentic friendships. And, you know, I really had a good time. I really enjoyed, you know, my time in school with with people. Um, And so I think that, you know, but even though there were some negative things, I, I didn't dwell on them. I didn't look at myself as a victim then. And I don't look at myself as a victim now. I think that I have to realize I have been a victim, but I don't need to stay in that mm-hmm. of thinking. But I think you, you do have to acknowledge that you have been wronged. Yeah, absolutely. It's important for your healing. I think it's important for your understanding of what happened, really. Uh, before you move into healing. So you're having a little bit of a traumatic uh, um, experience in the childhood that's becoming the foundation of everything that's developing in terms of your relational world later on with friends, with mates in school, and then in your own family. Before we we connect this trauma and this pain that we experience with with happiness and see if there is room for happiness when, when all of this happen maybe spend a few minutes and explain a little bit what um, parental alienation is because um, not everyone is familiar with this concept so what's been your experience what's been your learning around this well you know I had to learn about it because I didn't know anything about it and I really sought out experts like Dr. Jennifer Harmon Um, out of Colorado in the USA, who's done extensive research on parental alienation, as well as Dr. Amy Baker and Dr. Craig Childress. Um, And there are a number of people that have podcasts or books addressing this kind of topic. But parental alienation is when, um, usually in a divorce or separation situation, and usually it's with one spouse, but sometimes it can be some extended family members, a grandparent, you know, uh, even a friend. Um, But they go on a campaign of denigration. They want to destroy the other person at all costs. That's why so many of these targeted parents are homeless. They have all their money taken away. You know, they, they lose their jobs. Many of them lose their health. Some of them lose their lives. You know, and we've to, learned the impact on you earlier on because you discussed about this. You mentioned that you lost your home, you didn't have money, right? And your entire world kind of shattered away. So, right. So the parental alienation part is they really want to destroy you, and they know that the love you have for your children, you know, is what is most important in your life. Mm-hmm. So they align the children. Um, on a false narrative. And in my case, like I said, my kids were 20 and 23. You think they know better. They're adults, but they can be brainwashed just like adults can be brainwashed Mm -hmm. to believe a false narrative. Outright lies, you know, they will twist memories around and, and, and they will take a positive situation and somehow put it in a negative light. And, you know, and sometimes the abuser, the alienator will do it under the guise of care and concern. Oh, your mother really tried to love you, but she's just not equipped to, to, you know, take care of you. She's mm-hmm. got so many illness, just like her family, you know, is mm-hmm. just so disturbed. So they make up all these lies. Yes. They're, they're not true. Um, and if the kids are younger, they'll actually use the court systems with custody and false allegations to have the parent arrested, you know, or orders of protection put on them that are just unfounded. But the bottom line is they want the kids to align with them 
and completely reject the other parent. And when they do that with parental alienation, they reject the entire side of that family as well. Um, that happened in your case? Oh, yes, yes, yes. My case is extremely textbook. That's why you can't you know, say that it's estrangement because estrangement is very different than alienation. In estrangement, you know, a parent or someone might have done something really bad and neglectful that you really want to break away from them. And there you have good reason to, but in alienation, no, you, you, you know, it's, um, it's all black or all white. You know, one parent is all good. One parent is all bad. Mm -hmm. And research has even shown that kids that have even been sexually and physically abused by one parent still want the love of that parent. They don't cut them off saying they are bad. They keep striving for a relationship with them. But it's the alienated parent that was the loving, unconditionally, you know, parent that was there for them for everything. They're the ones that are completely cut off. And it is devastating because it's like the death of a living child. Yeah. You know? and, and if it hurts us so much, it changes our lives forever. Just imagine, you know, the damage that is done. They actually call parental alienation, child abuse, and intimate partner violence because of the damage that is done long term. Mm -hmm. um, with, with, you know, such a, an awful thing that one parent needs to do to the other. It's the empathetic, loving parent like myself that looks into all of this and trying to understand and would, would never teach a child to hate half of who they are. I certainly have always believed that children need both parents in their lives. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And and uh, but that's not the case with the alienators. No, very interesting. So in a way, in psychology, we explain this through the, the objects relations theory uh, and the splitting. Yes. We tend to understand um, um, worlds and in this case, parenting to the perspective of the good and bad parent. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when the parents take separate ways, children need to choose a side as well, which is kind of sad. Mm -hmm. I'd like to maybe ask from a psychological perspective, why do you think that um, one of the partners, one of the, the, the parents would do this uh, to themselves, to the, you know, the partner that they loved uh, and to their children? Well, you know, the, a lot of it with, you know, a psychological background goes back to attachment theory. And, you know, from the research that I have done, because I'm not a psychologist, I'm a targeted mom, I'm an author, I'm a retired teacher, um, you know, but I have consulted with psychologists and people that have done research and, and added to the literature on this. So many of these alienators have personality disorders. They go undiagnosed. They can be narcissistic personalities. They can be psychopaths. They can be sociopaths. You know, it's on a spectrum, just like any kind of disorder. And labeling it, you know, can be helpful to kind of understand it. I think, you know, learning terminology and words, that has been very helpful for me to understand what I went through. But these people don't think anything is wrong with them. They really, um, they, especially the covert malignant, you know, vulnerable narcissists, um, which is what I believe I was dealing with. Um, you know, they, they have a public persona that they have a false mask they wear, an image that they want others on the outside to believe, yet they're very different behind closed doors. Yes. And many of these people have top ranking positions in their employment. They're heads of companies and CEOs and presidents. And, you That's know, they love, that, mm -hmm. they love that power and control over you know, people that they believe are lower than them. Actually, they believe most everyone is lower than them, but they are so damaged themselves with their own unresolved intergenerational family trauma. I think people are, are, are not born to hate and to cause harm. I think they are learned, you know, they learn this behavior mm -hmm. 
And it's a response maybe to abuse that they had. And they they might think the only way I can come out on top and I can get the most money out of this because they're so money motivated. I can, I can, you know, get the children to align with me is to just make that other parent, you know, even though I loved them for all these years or I made it look like I loved them, but there were certainly never, ever any complaints like about my parenting or anything like that. You know, I, in fact, it was always the other way around. What a wonderful mother you are. And that was even said publicly. And, but the minute I knew that what I was dealing with and, and I made a, made a plan to just get away from that, then the narrative changed as to and now I am the villain. Yeah, and that's the only way they know how to operate. They're they're very um, manipulative. You know, they're manipulative. They're calculating. Mm-hmm. They're very sick individuals, and you know, but and they their world is just chaos. I mean, you know, when all the secrets that they keep, the double and triple lives, and the the money manipulations, and the the secret affairs, and and you know, the controlling of things and the word salad and the the many, many passwords and email accounts and aliases. I mean, it's it's got to be exhausting to be them. Mm. It must have. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, God, this sounds uh, horrid and there's no sense of conscious parenting here. And even themselves, as you talk about them, uh, they are obviously individuals that are suffering um, and they have a past and they have some old wounds that they haven't taken care of. Um, Right. Well, and they hate their ex mm -hmm. more than they love their children. In fact, for many of them, having a family and having children serves a different purpose not like the loving parent who wants to, you know, have a wonderful family and mm-hmm. nurture someone to be who they are and bring life into the world. Some of these narcissistic abusers really have a family and have children to serve them, to serve a purpose, to to make it look like they are an upstanding person. Because really, if they truly loved their children the way most people look at loving children, they would never cause so much damage to them by destroying, you know, their other parent. And the relationship of the family, irrespective of the fact that the parents are still together or not. Right. The idea right. of the family remains and the family continues for as right. long as everyone is alive. Right. Um, it is sad. Um, I mean, if we're looking into this dynamic, everyone needs support. Everyone with, without doubt. Um, but the children suffer the most. And I think yeah. as a parent, we should protect them. Um, unfortunately, conscious parenting is not is not a concept that has been here forever. We, we're just starting to get used to it. How do I, um, you know, open my eyes to this reality of what am I doing, what I'm doing with my life? How am I, you know, reacting to circumstances? What's the impact on all of the others? Mm-hmm. And when people live in their self-righteousness and in denial of their own actions, they don't really get it they they are on a different frequency they don't yeah, see yeah they they don't care you know yeah. and they they will they care on. but they care about themselves yeah about their own needs and their they, image yes and they, they 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 don't feel that empathy they can't understand they don't have the emotional intelligence to understand the impact on all of the others no they and they don't care, care about their own yes yeah, yeah. so now We've understood uh, what parental annihilation is. Um, what would be in your in your experience the best way to resolve this? Is there anything we can do? You know, um, I tried just like so many other wonderful fathers and wonderful mothers try to reach out every way that they can. You know, with sending cards on ho- not just holidays and birthdays. But also just every days, you know, just trying to connect with them. But, you know, you're blocked on any kind of communication or social media. 
Um, these kids are not out there on uh, publicly because they live in fear. You know, they've been, you know, basically programmed to um, be isolated. Right. And, you know, and actually, in my case, and this is true for so many others that I have heard, the children are isolated from each other. So they once had a very positive relationship, brother and sister, but now there's no relationship because the alienator part of the strategy is to cause such sibling rivalry that they have no relationship with each other. Right. And that's how, that's how they want it. They don't want the kids to compare notes and say, wait, yeah. a minute, this didn't happen. That didn't well, happen that way. It's easier to control them this way. Right, right. And, and they control them with money and with tracking devices on their computers and their cars and and they're in charge of their cell phone plans so they're watching whoever they text and and email and you know it's just it's like i said just a got to be an exhausting life to be an alienating abuser it's just got to be exhausting and you really mm. just are not letting your children you know be free mm -hmm. it's, it's just so what about sad. What about knocking in the door, in your children's door? Is this an option for an alienated parent? Well, it, it can be, um, but there are, if you're dealing with someone severe, there can be severe consequences. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, you know, um, my daughter, uh, I helped, I, I actually was the one who paid the most for her college education. I was not included in her junior college graduation, yet there were other people that were. Yeah, I wasn't even included. I didn't even know she was graduating except for contacting the school. And, and they did say, oh, yes, yeah, she's she's graduating. And I didn't know. Um, and I was, um, I ended up just being a mile away from, you know, that was the little apartment I stayed at, um, watching her graduate online, you know, through a live stream. And it was very painful. And and there are people, not only her father, but other people that were there that were contributing to the alienation because someone should have said, your mother should be here at this milestone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then later on, um, I tried to reach out to my daughter in so many different ways, just, you know, with love and and um, fun, you know, happy gifts and trying to elicit memories of positive things. I remember one time I sent her a, a huge box for Halloween with all her favorite candy and decorations and that type of thing, you know, um, and and never heard a word, you know, it, that particular gift. There were many others that were returned, but that particular gift probably was so cool for her. She wanted to keep it because it's all her favorite stuff. But at one point I realized, you know, and I had paid for her college graduation. And, you know, I, I had been going on a couple years of alienation here. Um, I actually flew out of state to go to her graduation and I stayed at a hotel. I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, uh, try to make a big deal about it. I did bring a couple big suitcases filled with her scrapbooks and filled with very personalized gifts um, and, and some mementos so that she could share with her friends. And I knew her address and I, I drove up there and, you know, she was not there, but her, her roommates who had been her roommates for a couple of years said, we're her best friends. And we didn't even know she had a mother. And so obviously she never even shared anything about me. I said, well, I don't want to bother her. I just came here for her college graduation, um, but I'd like to leave all these gifts. And um, if you could please, and I shared the gifts and they, these, these two roommates of hers said, oh my God, what a wonderful mother you are. These scrapbooks are amazing. I, I, it's so hard for us to believe that, you know, you are not in her life. And I said, well, it was a very, you know, high conflict divorce. I didn't want to get into the details because it really wasn't high conflict on my end. I was trying to cooperate and, and, you know, but, you know, they didn't need to know all those details and I didn't want to, you know, um, make anything uncomfortable. So I left all of that and 
Um, you know, and then I, I was planning on going to the graduation, not going up to her. I don't want to put her on the spot, anything like that. I just wanted to see my beautiful daughter graduate. I, I missed that opportunity with her, her junior college. And so I got a call, you know, with, you know, the area code of this state. And I thought, oh, good, I'm going to hear from her. And it was the police. And the police said to me, you know, the authorities said, which really they should never have gotten involved in this type of thing. This is really actually kind of out of line. But they said, you know, your daughter wants nothing to do with you and you should really leave this state immediately. Yeah. And and I said, but I I'm her mom. You know, I'm I. I know of her college because I've paid, you know, my my ex-husband switched numbers around with all sorts of things so he wouldn't have to pay the full amount he was supposed to, but I don't care. It was my daughter. I'm I'm happy to pay extra whatever I could for her for education. Um and I know like with my ex-husband, there there's he doesn't follow court orders. And and and, and so there's not much I can do, you know. Um, so I had to let some of those things go. But the police just, it really was just shocking. And then it wasn't too much longer that I was served with an order of protection, um, which is, I don't know where you are, what it would be called, but a restraining order mm-hmm. that I was, that she was in fear for her life because I, tried to send her birthday cards or Christmas cards, or I wanted to see her graduate. And That's very extreme. And it's, it's unbelievable how the, the systems of this world work right? sometimes. And, against- and, the judge, and the judge granted that to her. Yes and, yes. and it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars to, to try to defend myself in this situation saying, I'm not a threat to my beautiful child, but I wasn't allowed to say one word only she was. And so a two-year order of protection was granted, and now that's expired. Um, it really impacted me in so many ways. But, it, you know, I now could not. I would be put in jail if I were to, you know, even send a text saying, I love you. And, um, but, but, you know, she was definitely, she on her own, I don't believe any, any child on their own without any cause like this would would come up with the plan to have a parent arrested or placed with a, a restraining order that that had to be influenced and supported by you know the other alienating parent because they want you destroyed they want to sever the bond they want you out of their life would and- you would you think that maybe there is a way of um reconciliation uh somehow is there any way maybe reconciliation is possible with the the parent that is alienating the other i In don't time, i mean I after so many it. years people yeah. we are still humans we are still pure inside all of us it doesn't matter if we are run by this egoic mind and we we you know we lose our judgment same children sometimes i think we all make mistakes but essentially we can't live in separation we we are not wired to live like that we develop to live in connection and we care about each other deeply whether we can manifest that or become aware of that that's another matter so i'm always for for a way of finding conflict, you know, resolution and, and limitation. Is there any way in life, you know, for, for people? Do you believe this is possible? Do you believe this being an option to change a little bit the way we communicate, the way we interact? Um, yes and no. I, my answer is yes and no. With the abusing alienator, my ex-husband, absolutely not. He's an extremely dangerous individual in my eyes. He has proven to me that he has no ethics. He has no problem being dishonest, even on court documents. He is still taking me to court. And then we're, I filed for divorce in 2013. No minor children, 
no big assets. And he's still taking me to court right now in Chicago, um, even though I've moved thousands of miles away and have for the last three years have have lived in the Caribbean, partly to start my life over, but partly to just get as far away from him as possible. So with him, I think that there is so much disturbance with his mental state and his malevolence. And I don't know the extreme, you know, I read about things in the newspaper every week about a, one spouse, whether it's a wife or a husband killing the other spouse or, or, or even killing the children. I, I, you know, I don't know what this person is capable of. So with him, absolutely not. I, I have to really look for my own safety and well-being. Mm-hmm. Now, with my children, I think at some point, yes, their light bulb will go on and they'll realize they know which parent lies, cheats and steals and what which parent doesn't. They know that their mom loves them unconditionally. You know, I am trying to bring awareness to parental alienation through my five book series, True Deceit, False Love, through having interviews and talking about parental alienation so that indirectly or maybe directly if they tune in they can learn about this dynamic and and learn about attachment disorders and learn about different personality types and learn what splitting is or stockholm syndrome or independent thinker phenomenon and and maybe something or someone would trigger them to you know look at things differently. But at this point with what I've been through with the legal system, I am not going to jeopardize my safety and my freedom and my limited money because I'm on a pension um, to put myself in harm's way. I already have seen what I had did just by reaching out, trying to send loving cards. I was not stalking. I was not harassing. I was really being gentle and loving, never saying a negative thing about the alienating parent, just focusing on the good and the positive. And what happened? A lot of legal turmoil. And and I just can't do that again. So even though I'm open and I believe that there can be reconciliation, and you do hear of a few cases here and there where people realize, you know, gosh, my parent told me the other parent was dead, but they're not dead. They're here and they wanted a relationship with me all these years. So the truth eventually comes out about all sorts of things. And I think the truth will will set them free at some point. I hope it's in this lifetime, but I have to realize that I can't control these things. I can only control myself True. And my own well-being, and and I'm not going to put myself in harm's way. They know their mother loves them. I know they do, and they will they, come back when they are ready to understand this and feel this, right. and I open their so. eyes to the reality of the true reality of the the true nature of the reality. Better right, say. but but in re- but also in reality, um, I think reconciliation will be a process in itself because there's a lot of trust that that has been, you know, damaged, mm-hmm. compromised. And, you know, I, um, as much as I love them unconditionally, would welcome them with open arms, I also have to be extremely cautious, especially if they're in communication with the alienator, because it could all, I've heard of many cases where the kids come back because, you know, they want their parent at their wedding or they want some money or they want, you know, um something, you know, just to turn around and and break it off immediately again after they got what they want. Because sometimes narcissism breeds narcissism. So these kids oftentimes are are a product of, you know, who the alienating parent that they have been around. Yes, and, the personality, Marnie, mm-hmm. is just a learned way of thinking and behaving that can always be adjusted, that can yes. always change. So I think if we hope uh, for the best and if we stay positive, and I'd love to ask how you're keeping positive and happy in a minute, I think if we 
look at life from love and we operate from love, then we, we let the universe do what the universe needs to do. Maybe that's their karma. Maybe this is why they're here for this right. life experience. This is their journey. This is their path. And as painful as it is for us parents sometimes or spouses to lose a, a spouse or, or, you know, to, to, to be, you know, rejected by the spouse or to be lied or betrayed and so on. And then deal with all sorts of, you know, complications, which are kind of common. Everyone has in the family all sorts of issues. It's something that we all face. Um, uh, not everyone probably deals with uh, parental alienation, but I would imagine there's, there's many people if you talk about studies. And um, I think if we really come back to love, to our essence, why we're here is to learn to remain open to love, open to happiness, despite all of this pain and challenges and then take care of ourselves how do you cope with the stress how 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 did you manage over these years to 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 remain you know loving and caring and protect your mental health well that's a great question. And I think I resonate exactly with what you're saying is that we all have our journeys and, and, uh, but I am operating out of love, just love and compassion, forgiveness, even forgiveness for my abuser, because I have learned to understand, you know, why some people, you know, hurt people the way they do. And so I'm coming from a place of love. My message with any podcast interview or any of my writing is that it's all about love and that we're here on a journey and that we can be happy. And, you know, sometimes in our growth journey, we need to learn how to put up some healthy boundaries. I think that has helped me. Um, I think for me, knowledge has really helped me stay positive because I've learned about these dynamics that I didn't know anything about. And that really helped me understand that, you know, um, no, it's it's not my responsibility. I did not cause this. Um, I I have to suffer as a result of someone else causing this. But that helped me understand. Um, writing writing has helped me um, just stay positive. You know, putting my emotions out of myself and onto a page and being able to rewrite it and kind of work through it, that has really helped me. I also, you know, the first book I wrote was God Came to My Garage Sale. And of course, there were many different editing versions of that. Um, that was very healing to write that. But I also was presented with spiritual miracles that really reassured me that I was loved and supported, that even though I was making a very tough decision and I was leaving behind what I thought was my perfect fairy tale life, um, that there would be wonderful things ahead for me. And there were, I found love again um, with a very honest and empathetic, compassionate person who shares my same values. And that was really wonderful, very unexpected to find that. I didn't go out looking for that. It was almost like, you know, um, when you, when you, you know, are open to it, good people and good situations can come your way. I'm also someone that believes that we need to take care of ourselves, you know, watch what we eat and get enough sleep and get you know, reasonable exercise. And I like to do it in a natural setting. So living in the Caribbean is perfect for me to swim in the ocean and hike the rainforest. And every single day here, I'm amazed by something beautiful, you know, that, that is presented to me. Um, you know, just every day I live in awe and wonder of our natural beauty. So I, all those things contribute to, you know, making me happy um, and, and helping me realize that I can continue living. And that's not a selfish thing. Um, that's a good thing. And, and actually, I'm finding 
my words and my books are resonating with a lot of other people. Our voices matter. These candid conversations can help other people realize they're not alone and they can be happy despite you know, some real losses, some real challenges in their lives. But that doesn't have to be, you know, your final sentence. You know, there's still more life to live. And I continue to role model love and light and goodness to my children, even though they're not in my life right now, physically in my day to day. Um, I'm role modeling that you can be handed a horrific situation challenges and they're going to have challenges in their life you know whether it's medically or in a job or in relationships or you know um gosh i can imagine just the guilt and pain they're going to experience when their light bulb goes on you know that's going to be a very tough time for them but you can handle these challenges in a positive way and so i'm continuing to role model that Absolutely. In a way, you're talking so beautifully about a life journey. You see, you come into this world, you come pure, you get a little bit molded and programmed and conditioned. And then you develop this fantasy about what you've been brainwashed about, about this illusion with life, with humanity, with human beings. It's about us, how we all are. On that continuum of experience, choosing to go in different directions and probably experiencing all all sides of the story and then awakening through suffering, through pain and opening your eyes to the true reality um, of your life. And then I was thinking whilst you were talking that this is your path. This is your, you know, this is your journey. That's why everything happened to you. To to a certain point, it doesn't even matter um, how your previous partner behaves and what he's doing that's his own journey that's his own you know uh I, i i don't spend my wonderful minutes and hours and days giving him any thought you know no i think he deserves it obviously as a human being and it doesn't even matter if the children are involved right now because they are on their own path and they need to go through this experience they need to go through through this journey to awaken themselves one day, hopefully, in this incarnation. But yes, there is life beyond the, the previous illusion that we had. There is life beyond family. Yeah. Uh, there is life beyond everything because life is. It's not conditioned by the existence of a person. It's right. not It's not conditioned by, by the love we should receive, we think, in our egoic mind from someone. And love exists, whether it's manifested or not. They deeply love you in the same way you love them. Uh, Because this is how we are people. This is how we function. This is how we we are built. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, what's coming out of this, out of this pain, out of this experience, look, it's your book. You're sharing this with others. You bring your message into the world to help and guide others to bring the light in the lives of so many other people. They are going through this and they don't even know what it is. They right. don't even understand why it's happening. What's the dynamic there? What's the impact? And what can yeah. we do about it? So it's a beautiful um, mission that you have. Yeah. Sadly, it's it's come it's coming through pain, uh, yeah. like always. Mm-hmm. But uh, afterwards, um, I think uh, towards the end, we realize that it's a blessing in itself and we look at these difficult times um with gratitude because they are definitely not a sentence they are lessons right and i and i look at these challenging situations and i even look at my ex-husband who has has done such mean things because that's how he's wired i look at all of it as a blessing because without experiencing all the variety of emotions and experiences, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know, it has really made me who I am. I'm more authentic in in how I live and how I look at things now than if I would have just stayed along in that kind of bubble, ignoring and putting up with, you know, situations that are not doing anyone any good. 
So, so really I, I have been blessed in so many ways and, you know, despite my losses, I'm living a beautiful life. I'm enjoying every day and, you know, so thrilled that my books, you know, the five book series, True Deceit, False Love, you know, was highly endorsed by people that really get it. You know, people that are influenced, people that I looked up to, you know, for guidance virtually of just how to understand what I was going through and then making these amazing connections worldwide with people that turned around and said, you know, Marnie, your series is providing something that no one else is, you know, very unique and creative approach to dealing with trauma and domestic abuse. What a and, beautiful uh, purpose. What a yeah. beautiful purpose in life. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. And now towards the end, what's coming into my guidance is this theme of, of school, because you're dealing with your childhood trauma through, you know, finding, in a way, refuge in, in school, in mm-hmm. learning, yeah. in, in education, yes. then you're choosing this as a refuge for life. So you're teaching yourself, you are a teacher for your profession, as a profession yeah. for your entire life. And even now, beyond, you know, your active years, your active professional years, what you're doing, you're still teaching people, you're still bringing light in, into their lives. Right. And this I am. is something we we are thanking you for. This is something that I would like to acknowledge. Um, and towards the end, I'd like to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for your wisdom. And maybe if you can tell the listeners and watchers, where can they find a bit more about you, where they can get a book from? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm not on social media, um, but I have a website that I keep up to date. It's the title of my spiritual fiction. So my website is www.godcametomygaragesale.com. And there you can find out about my book signings and speaking events and podcast interviews and, and, you know, the people that have endorsed my book. I also highlight many other people and resources on my website. Um, so that it's really a great place to go to kind of check it all out. Um, uh, my books can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And then my publisher is Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House. So you can find my books, like, for example, I think on Amazon, actually on all the different platforms, there are e-versions as well as, as the paperbacks. And, and my books have poetry and word search puzzles and resources and terms and, and phrases. And so it's, it's a real interesting collection to help people heal in a very loving, you know, open, honest, non-threatening way. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Marnie. Thank you for yeah. everything. Well, thank you. And, and thank you for your amazing platform, you know, being open to happiness. What a wonderful message that is. And and I'm so glad that, that I'm open to happiness and I'm all about love. And I just hope that other people can find their way to happiness during challenging times. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Marnie.